This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Larry Haber. Larry is a commercial real estate attorney, managing partner of CRE at AGMB. He's been in the commercial real estate industry for over 30 years. He's got some really cool insights for us. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. You know, I like to fill in the blanks a little bit. Some people would call me a leasing interventionist, uh, a reformed yet uh, long recovered developer of commercial real estate, still on a few pieces on 125th Street in Harlem. But uh, that came about because of a little thing called the Great Recession. Um, podcast host like you. I have an online educational platform for commercial lease training and negotiating called Leasing Reality, Master Your Leasing Domain, and uh, have a hip-hop single out about commercial real estate. And um, yes, when I want to be boring and pay some bills, Abrams, Garfinkel, Margolis, Berkson, and married for 30 years to the joy of my life, aptly named Joy, proud father of four boys, a few who are in real estate, 27, 27, 26, and 21. Wow. A little different than me. I have two children, a three-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. So I'm a little behind you. Oh, the party just started for you, my friend. It just started. But I, it's, feel like, I feel like it has for me, by the way. Oh, that's great. That's good. I'm enjoying the party, though. Good to hear. Good to hear. So you were, were you skiing recently? Did you do something like that? with the- I, So I'm not a skier, but I I skied like six to eight years old, personally. And then I got very big into wrestling, which is winter sport. And there was no time to go skiing. Most weekends I was in a stuffy gym and not on the ski slopes, but you know, we're constantly looking for activities for the children and skiing, snowboarding, being outside, socially distant. Those are some of the activities. So I went with them. Yes, it was, it was awesome. Great sport. Yeah, it is really, it was really cool. Great activity for the kids. And we're constantly looking for things to get out of the house, especially, you know, it compounded from COVID. Now the winter, it's you're cooped up. We need to get out. Well, soon enough. What's the song by Pink? Let's get this party started. It'll, ha- there, it'll happen soon enough. There you go. Well, we're going to talk about top three commercial real estate trends from an attorney's um, from an attorney's perspective. And I'm excited to do that today. So, number three. Well, I, I need to preface it by saying this is great if you're a landlord. You know, I think the commercial lease is arguably the most one-sided document in the free world. It's pro-landlord, and it and it should be, because you know the landlord's the one who takes the risks, etc. But at the same time, what I, I think is that ninety percent of this legal document is all business points if not more it's just dressed it's just dressed up in a legal doc i I couldn't agree anymore and we talk about that a lot is what's business what's legal and a lot of different corporations some some corporations they have the attorney the attorneys have a lot of say and in decision making in some organizations attorneys give the business folks what the risk is and tell the business folks you got to make the decision here's your risk 
but it, this is what your risk is. And it depends on how the company kind of views it. That's what, but, but you just said 90% of the lease is business and it's dressed up in legal terms. I think that's a great point. When you say the one-sided document, there's a couple of terms that could make it so favored to the tenant. It's not even funny. Just one little tweak and you put a single purpose entity as the tenant with, with a limited guarantee. And to me, the, the, the lease is now 100%. The rest of the lease is really not relevant because the landlord's now committed for 10, 15 years, whatever it is. And the tenant can leave in one month. It's a month to month lease. I, I'm a firm believer in that, like with good guy guarantees, which are, is really just a nasty, you know, three letter word in New York City right now, if you are a landlord, because what the city council did not get in, uh, political, but they basically rendered good guy guarantees semi ineffectual from March 7th of 20 through this coming March. And who knows if that's going to be extended, you know, part of the thing when you as a tenant are at least smart enough to get a, you know, a single purpose entity on the hook, you know, as the tenant, if there's a guarantee and it's only a basic good guy guarantee, you can do the great escape like you just talked about, so to speak. You know, you lose your security deposit, you give notice, end of story. Um, you know, what we've done on that over the years, because there's a lot of lunatic attorneys and landlords like, like, like myself who have taken these guarantees and injected le lethal doses of legal and business steroids into them that, for example, if you are doing a lease that's, um, you know, 5,000 square feet, 60 bucks a square foot, and in this day and age, you're given six months of free rent and a $60 tenant improvement allowance and paying a broker. I just described you laying out ballpark about $600,000 in the first year of the lease. Okay. What's the right amount of security deposit you should be getting? If you have a single purpose entity, you know, you don't, you know, you want to be able to get back, for, you know, at least mitigate your short term risks and be able to get back those unamortized costs in the short term. You know, and we put that into our good guy guarantees. Uh, what's happening in the city, those things are being rendered semi ineffectual. Yeah, I, I would tell you outside of the city, guarantees are are much different. There are there are much more stronger credit worthy entities than good guy clauses on leases, both from national and local tenants, because I think one of the biggest differences in New York, the re one of the reasons the good guy thing, in my opinion, started to really explode was because in general, landlords put a lot less money into the individual tenant spaces than in other parts of the country. In other parts of the country, it, it was not that prevalent because landlords have spent a lot of money, turnkeying spaces, giving a lot of TI, something you didn't see a lot in New York City. So the guarantees were were very different. You you would see personal guarantees, you would see corporate entities guaranteeing and a lot less good guy guarantees. I, I digressed. I don't want to digress and talk about good guy guarantees. I think the punchline that I was getting at is I've heard this line before that the document is a very landlord favored document. I can tell you it certainly doesn't feel that as an unsecured creditor who is restricted from a lot of different things. I, I, I don't know. So I guess it depends on what what position you're talking about. You know, there are certain things that are certainly more landlord friendly. I, I think it just depends on what you 
determine is risk for you versus what is not? Oh, listen, I agree with you. Listen, I'm probably 50-50 these days, landlords, tenants. Pre-COVID, I would say the pendulum swung in my in my career, and I was 65, 35 tenants over landlords. Right. But the reality is this is the first time in nearly 40 years. You know, I started doing this in 83, but really real estate in 85, 86. Uh, first time in all that time that right now, generally stated, not good to be a landlord. Okay. It's just not. It's just not the same thing. Listen, there there are going to be a lot of newly appointed members of the middle class who were once very comfortable as landlords. There's a lot of mom and pop landlords suffering, you know, in a very big way. So, you know, I, I feel your pain what regardless of what side of the table I'm on. And it's part of, you know, part of my negotiating tactic is you need to have empathy for that person sitting on the other side of the table. Listen, you want to get as much as what's on the plate as possible, but you need to leave some meat on the bone for the other side. And it's, 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 it's definitely tough times for everyone. It's just not tough times for tenants. You know, so I, I hear you you there, but you know, one of the things that I am seeing, you know, a trend on, and I I did this an awful lot. This is in retail pre COVID. Yeah, and when I brought it up, people used to ask me, landlords, you know, this is as a tenant advocate, you know, have you, you know, started, you know, happy hour early today? Because I used to ask for the equivalent of desk sharing carve outs, which were on, which you see in office spaces saying that you can sublet or license up to one third of your space with out the landlord's consent, without a landlord right or recapture, without a landlord right to participate in profit, you know, subject, you know, to certain restrictions, such as in retail, you know, any exclusives there are in the building and any prohibition on certain uses. Uh, I used to ask for that in retail pre-COVID, and I'm seeing now it being asked for. The reason why you would do it is, you know, if I'm a retail tenant and I set up my kitchen, for example, very efficiently and I have extra space, you know, in that kitchen, I could sublet it out to another user. And, and in pre-COVID times, not only would I be, you know, offloading some of my rent effectively, but that particular use, like if I owned a pita shop, for example, and I did something with a, you know, someone who made juices and shakes, you know, great, I saved some on my rent. And also, they now bring butts and seats into the restaurant, which now buy more of my, you know, Peter and my hummus, you know, and my kebabs. So that's why I would always ask for it on the tenant side. Now, it's, you know, even more so in retail use because of what's going on. And listen, there's like folk ghost kitchens, in effect, popping up as a consequence of this. Because now I have a restaurant, I had to close it, I still have my product, people still want what I have. And as a consequence, if, if there's a restaurant that has this excess space, you're seeing it a lot. And I, I it's coming to play in some of my leases. I'm having a conference call about it over the next few days. This particular ghost kitchen wants to use part of my client's bar that has excess kitchen space. So as a consequence, you need to be thinking about that as a tenant advocate and landlord advocate when you're negotiating the letter of intent, okay? Because it's very important and you need to be cognizant of it, you know, at the legal and business side, uh, you know, when you're negotiating the lease. So I'm seeing that an awful lot. So is the trend the assignment and sublease flexibility? Is that the trend? Oh, absolutely. Listen, I, I will sit there and say whether you're a landlord or tenant, 
pre and post COVID times, arguably the, the most important clause in the lease. My clause as a landlord is like six pages of hell if you're a tenant, because it's all about control. You know, you know, there are a lot of landlords take the mindset, and I'm not saying it's wrong, that it's a God-given right, that if anyone's going to make money on this space, it's going to be me as landlord, not you as tenant. I'm in the business of renting out space for profit, landlord mindset. Tenants in the space of running a business so they can make a profit. So if anyone's going to make money off of that, it should be the landlord, not the tenant. That is a mindset out there. Not throwing a dart, but it's, it's a mindset that's out there. You know, so from both the landlord and the tenant side, that assignment and subletting clause is so important. It's just, you know, it, it's that much more important right now. Awesome. I think that is a excellent one. And you think that trend is here to stay? Yes, most definitely it should be. Okay. What is trend number two? Trend number two, uh, as much as uh, you'd like to think that lease restructurings, which were, you know, prevalent in the early part and the middle part of 2020 have I don't know anything about that yes <laughs> they they haven't you know when you're sitting here uh, you had made a comment on clubhouse recently and by the way if you don't listen to Chris on clubhouse he's great you know thank you he's, he is he is Elvis everywhere okay <laughs> doing a great job my friend but you had mentioned that weather hasn't impacted you that much and i was trying to get in it was at you know, the raise my hand it was the end of, of, of your presentation and i'm looking at it that it is in a big way you know because even like you know i i deal in markets across the country but you know just here i'm in the bubble out in long island today and you know although it's 50 percent indoor dining you know with the weather you know especially this has been a, a harsh february and late january you know there's no outdoor dining People don't want to go sit inside this, you know, restaurants are still reeling in a very big way, you know, um, from the last, you know, year or so. And, uh, and because the restaurants act still has not been passed and supposedly it's going to be, and that's going to benefit landlords and as it's good tenants, obviously, but landlords as well. Um, you know, there's still a lot of hurting. I'm working on three different ones right now on behalf of landlords where my clients who are mom and pops are being quite generous, notwithstanding uh, their own pain and notwithstanding they have a, they have their own bills to pay, you know, their, their own suitcase full of troubles. So I'm seeing that happening in a big way. As a landlord, I'm from, I have a lot of theories, Chris, and I don't know if you know this, but one of them is when it comes to tenant retention or lease restructurings or lease renewals, I'm, I'm a firm believer that a good percentage of something is better than 100% of nothing that comes with vacant space. Like I gave that financial example before, what it would cost for you to do a new deal. Um, so, you know, the, the theory is the CSNY, of course, we still Nash and Young. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. George Benson, <laughs> never give up on a good thing. Jerry Garcia and LeBron James, that uh, uh, unless you work with your tenant, guess what? They're going to go Grateful Dead on you and go trucking and take uh, LeBron James, take their talents, that being their tenancy, to another building. And they're going to be like staying so lonely. And, you know, because I think having vacant space is like going to a drive-in movie theater in a taxi cab, 
with the with the cab driver, the meter running, and you're both not wearing masks. It makes no sense. And I'm seeing it more and more. And the 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 sob stories, and I'm not saying that they're not that the tale of woes is a better way of putting it. Tenants are saying, you know, a lot of them are real and it's difficult because they're, you know, they're crystal ball life. Landlords need to make decisions. And I'm just I'm just seeing it if you know, if I was still in the ownership chair making that decision, I, I would be basing it on was this tenant good pre-COVID? And if they were, and if the only time I heard from them was at the beginning of the month when their rent arrived in a timely fashion, and and that their, their their story to weather the storm is is somewhat real, I'll work with them. But right now, they're not going away. Okay, and I'm 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 amazed at how they, they seem to be making a great comeback, lease restructurings. So that's uh, you know, that's you know, trend number two. The other thing that I would here's a few a couple of things. Yeah, I think lease restructuring is is interesting trend. I don't think they are going away, but I do think that at some point. We'll get to a place where the documents matter. I think one of the things I learned in the Great Recession and I learned in 2020, same lesson happened again. In times of economic distress, like massive economic distress, people just throw away the legal documents, whatever whatever contracts say are, are less critical because it's fighting for survival and the contracts don't matter. And that's why you have things like tenants obligated to pay rent. They might not have paid rent. Yeah, they're obligated to, but... Contracts go away when there's massive economic destruction and you're and you're looking for survival. If we're not at that point and we get to stabilization, I do think that it'll be very specific because when you get to a place where landlords have a in markets where they don't today have a a functional court system, I think that you will start and we'll see what case law dictates in certain instances. But I. I think you'll start to see that dissipate, in my opinion. I don't know when, you know, so I could be one of those futurists who are predicting something that, of course, it will eventually happen. Just and if you don't call when, then you're always right. I don't mean to be that person because I think you're right that we're going to have lease restructures for the foreseeable future. But as you get functional court system and if landlords are able to work with their lenders just as tenants try to work with their uh landlords then i think it, it it will be it will be a challenge i the the piece that you mentioned that something is better than nothing sometimes yep sometimes it depends on a lot of things sometimes right if you have a lender you have a loan and you have an obligation and you could get something but if that's something still going to lead you to throw the keys back and get foreclosed on, you're better off leaving it vacant and taking nothing and trying to take a shot on someone where you can get something that'll actually help your overall goal. Oh, oh I'm, I'm a big I'm a big believer in that. And that's what I referred to before. And let's have their own suitcase full of troubles. Listen, you have debt service coverage ratios to comply with. I just I just did a few TikToks on this <laughs> and, and, and instances you know, that, that I just put out over the last few days, you know, basically, you know, sympathizing with the landlord side, you know, wearing that hat. But two of the trends that just come off of that or just you know, not that it's a trend, but, you know, I like this particular beer. It's called Lil Something. Okay. And if, as a tenant, 
if you want a little something, meaning in the form of rental relief, you got to give up a little something. Mm -hmm. And whether that's, you know, agreeing to a personal guarantee, you know, you know, if you had a termination early, early right of termination, giving it up, you know, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things moving to a less attractive location in one of your shopping centers, for example. Okay. I'll give you a simple one that we were focused on pre that we were focused on that we moved hundreds of tenants to during the pandemic. You ready? Here's a simple one. ACH rent payment. Yes. When we we had rent getting sent to our offices in New York and no one was there, and couldn't go to the office and get them and until they established like essential worker type things, we made a push to move to ACH rent. And we moved significant amount of hundreds of tenants to ACH rent payment. Now, that said, many of our tenants liked that. There are some who don't want anyone to ACH them on anything, but we were able to move hundreds and hundreds of tenants to ACH. And we have Versa pay like a lot of landlords do. And that was, it was really helpful moving tenants to ACH. But that, you mentioned a little something, even that, that's a little something. Uh, the, the person who wants to send a check is, in today's age, problematic. Yes, I hear you. And the other trend that just plays off, and it's not my third trend, is just the COVID-19 language. I'm seeing some landlords, and I, I, I'll i sit there and say not wisely agreeing to too much COVID protection, okay, as opposed to limiting it to, say, this year and next year, okay, as it relates to if there's any problems with the building department, for example, while the tenants, the retail tenants doing their build out or there's some type of problem where, you know, it comes back the third, fourth, fifth wave, you know, limiting it to that. I, I have landlords that I'm seeing and I'm represent, this is on the tenant side, that they're agreeing during the, the LOI negotiations, the entire 10, 15 year of the lease term, they're agreeing to these protections. So the whole thing about force majeure, not including the debt. You know, I'm in the throes of it. Yeah, essentially... The landlords are agree. A lot of landlords are agreeing to it in effect, and and that's, you know, what I am seeing though is that whatever the remedy is is capped. Well, oh, I'm right. saying so some he, landlords aren't being as wise as others. You know, listen, back in the day, back in the Great Recession, I won't name the particular REIT. They were they were genius at it. They worked with seemingly every tenant. But they also were able to get the teeth in their documents, such as they knew the world was coming back in 2011 and 12. And they had the ability to terminate the right, the lease after, say, the 12 to 18 month mark of, you know, the anniversary of the lease restructuring going away to terminate the lease. So when the market was better, they can get rid of the smaller tenant and bring in, you know, the Starbucks of the world, so to speak, and, and other attractive experiential tenants. Um, the... The third thing, you know, and, and well, before you get to the third thing on the weather, I wasn't saying the weather doesn't matter in retail. We've all seen the the earnings reports where someone goes that doesn't matter. What what I was speaking to is in that moment in time, there was a huge storm coming. Huge storm. I've got I still got 40 inches on the ground here. And I had not had a lot of discussions and I have a lot of discussions with retailers and restaurants where a lot of the discussions were more longer term and, and very few of them were about the panic around that storm. That's all I meant by that. So anyway, your third trend, what is your last trend? Third trend is the 
landlords and tenants embrace. You know, there's this band called War from the 60s. And ironically, one of the hit singles was was a song called Why Can't We Be Friends? You, you probably know. Google it if you don't. I do. Okay. And and the short is there's a lot of sharing. That, forget the pain as to COVID, but as far as, you know, how rent is being paid. You know, initially I saw, you know, the first half of 2020 and maybe into the third quarter, you know, you were seeing, uh, and once again, I'm going to restaurants where, you know, not paying fixed rent, doesn't matter what the document states, it's gross sales, okay? And maybe I'll give you a minimum, I'll give you 10% of what the fixed rent was so you could at least pay your real estate taxes and some of your utilities landlord. Um, what I'm seeing now, and then it, then it seemingly morphed into some landlord saying, okay, you know what, this ain't over in 20, I'll play with you in 21, I'll even play with you in 22, but 23 must be 2019 rents and i'm still seeing that but i'm seeing also on a lot of you know wet use restaurant bar deals that you know for somewhere between three and five years the rent is fixed at say 20 percent of the fixed rent in 2019 this is on new deals okay uh so 20 percent of 2019 rents and then there's a gross sales component between 15 to 20 percent Okay. And then the, uh, and what we're talking about a 15 year deals, not necessarily just 10 comes year six. That rental is based upon an average of the fourth and fifth year, but there's a minimum rent that must be paid in year six. And there's a maximum rent that will be paid in year six. So neither tenant nor landlord gets screwed. And the bottom line is that they're, they're they're sharing with one another. I mean, I had a question because, you know, one of them was, does this make the landlord for purposes of the liquor license a partner of 20%? Is that going to be an issue? And the answer was no, you know, from the, from the SLA experts. But, you know, I'm seeing more and more of these type of creative structurings. The problem that I have with it, uh, now I'm on the owner side, okay, among in addition to the uncertainty, is from an underwriting standpoint. If you want to sell your building, it's not secure and stable cash flow. If you want to, if your mortgage is coming up in the relatively speaking near future and you need to refi, not, refi you know, what are you basing it on? Okay, if, if it's still in year three uh, or four, 20% of fixed rent plus, you know, gross sales, it's hard to underwrite that deal. But I'm seeing that trend more and more. I would say that I don't consider that true partnership because the landlord in that case that you described is protecting the tenant on the downside, but they don't get to partner in the upside. It's capped. There's a max. You say you called it a protection for the tenant, right? So the landlord's the landlord's protecting the tenant on the downside by lowering the rent and the landlord's capped on the upside. That's not a partnership. That's a trap. Well, wait a second. If the year six rent in my example is at worst, at worst, 2019 rental and the landlord can live with it and they're not putting a lot into the deal so they don't have the quote unquote skin in the game like the tenant does. Okay. Then it's not such a trap. But I, I hear you. You, you really... You, you look you need to look at a lot of the ramifications that I would just I would just say I'm not saying it's a bad or a good deal. What I'm saying is 
I like the word partner when it's a true partnership. To me, if one party's protected in one side and the other party's capped on the other, to me, that's not partnership. Partnership would be, okay, we're going to protect you on the downside, but I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. That's why I'm lowering the rent, but I'm along for the ride on the upside. Oh, I hear Listen, if you are pre-COVID times as a landlord, 75, 80% levered on your properties, you can't agree to that deal, okay? If you're 40, 50 or less percent you know, on, on le- leverage, then you can because you have that flexibility, so to speak. It, forget about the flexibility. To me, it's just the concept of being a partner. Like when people use that word, I love the word, I want to be partners. But to me, again, I don't know that in what they really want is protection on the downside. Oh, yeah. Not, not to partner on the they want to. And, and I think that's one of the pieces. Here's the other piece of that. In scenario where it's not capped, and I talk about this a lot, if you're a growth retailer or restaurant, you're going to open up a lot of locations. You're going to continually grow. You see some of these public retailers where they comp up seven, eight, nine, 10 percent year over year. They're comping up quarter over quarter. The worst thing they can do in the world is percentage rent because every dollar they sell, if they're growing, they're giving more to the other, the landlord. What they need to do is fix their rent and lock it in for long term. And that's what national retailers do as they grow who are smart. When, they're, when you have huge growth potential, you want, you want as much rent fixed, cost fixed. And when you're uncertain and you have a variable lumpy income stream, like some restaurants do, you would like to pay variable cost structure. And I think that I think that's the thing that we say often, you're going to see rental agreements change across the board. I think depends on the use. Growth companies are going to want to lock it in because they view that they don't want to give away the upside to the point that I said. Companies that are mature or or concerned and protecting downside, they're going to want you know some sort of protections. Every corporate office in America, like American Express and Google, they've all got targets where they want occupancy, their occupancy costs to be. They want their occupancy costs to be a percentage of their total revenues. But that doesn't trickle down into their office location on Fifth Avenue. And they don't pay a percentage rent based on whatever they want that allocation of those services should be, right? So I think that at the end of the day, we're going to see a lot of change in structure uh, in, in things. I think tenants in certain regards are going to fight for variable cost structure. I'm interested to see how it works. One of the things that I would tell you, the more complicated we make documents, the harder it is. And one of the things that I, you know, at least on the structure you described there, it gets, it gets, drafting gets complicated. Like tenant, there's a lot of tenants who wouldn't even know how much they owe the landlord. Oh, listen, I I burn brain cells drafting that stuff. Okay. It's, you know, it's, you really got to be careful. There's no question about it. Listen, you know, not every deal is for everyone. Listen, like any, anyone in real estate using a line from Forrest Gump, we're all like a box of chocolates. You never know what you get inside, okay? We, we're all different the way we look at it, and everyone has different pressure points, and everyone has you know, the different constraints they bring to the table. So, you know, I hear you. It's just we're all a box of chocolates. Just remember, we're all a box of chocolates. <laughs> exactly. M- Mama knew. <laughs> Mama knew. So here's what 
I've gotten to so far. Trend, the, the first trend was, well, the, we had the lease restructuring. That was two. The first trend was assignment sublease flexibility. And the third was some, the changes in rental structures. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. And, and, you, and you just came up with a fourth, by the way. Having Lots like the, the equivalent of a convertible note, okay, where you can convert you know, your debt to equity, okay? I like that, it. That's an investor side. Just now tenants are going to come at you with that, okay? Or, or, or landlords will have a right to convert it at a certain point, point in place in time so you don't have that trap, as you put it. Started a trend, my friend, but we did collectively. That's what the private equity firm did with AMC. Debt, they converted the debt to equity and sold the stock. They had a strike price in like the eighteen dollars, and they they hit pay dirt. They hit pay dirt. It was pretty pretty amazing. Good for them, you know. And, you know, a trend that I don't know if it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me in urban areas is that where with the loosing of making like the city streets, you know, not that it's a public mall for outdoor dining, but the fact that now. Our landlord's going to be trying to, you know, take on, uh, what's the name by Clapton? Uh, got to keep on growing. Are they going to expand the footprint of what the rentable square footage is to use the sidewalks as well? Where previously, because now the permits are relaxed on that. You couldn't, you know, have outdoor dining in most locations. One thing about Columbus Avenue, you say on the Upper West Side, but now our landlord's going to try and get more rent for that. Interesting. We will see. Okay. The next part of our show, we are running tight on time. You have a story about a store that opened. Yeah, I have a few. I have like three different uh, deals that were signed pre-COVID and all are about to or have opened. And it was it was a partnership of great landlord, uh, a, a, a patient and relentless tenant. Uh, to say a relentless broker involved, it would be redundant, but brokers who really had game, okay, to make it happen and great architects, you know, and great contractors. So a client of mine, you know, we had a deal, dry use. Um, I won't say what the use was. They were in a high profile location in Soho with a high profile retailer uh, who they, they had... Uh, sublet out the back portion of their space and we got and that this high-end retailer bought them out of their sublease they moved to another location downtown a better location but they really needed to be uptown and let's just say the madison avenue fifth area fifth avenue you know high rent district so to speak and we signed the lease you know the end of 20 of 2019 beginning of of 2020 they had limited free rent. And the short version is because the, the DOB was closed down, because, uh, you, know, you know, of problems with getting plans approved and, 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 and getting bids done. Uh, the bottom line is their free rent was expiring. The landlord worked with them in a big way. The broker on the deal, uh, I thought was incredible. Kudos, Amy. Um, and, you know, and the short version is they just opened up two weeks ago. And who was this? Who opened up? Uh, Makita, M-I-M-Y-K-I-T-A. They're, you know, they're actually an entity out of Germany uh, that has, you know, I don't know how many locations globally, but only, I think, four or five here in the U.S. Okay. 
high high end eyewear. Mm. Okay, and it was it was just you know so getting back to you know how you had a, an issue with how I said partners before. This was a true partnership. The landlord, you know, really worked with the tenant, okay, in a big way because they 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 saw, you know, why it was a good use for the property, and they saw that you know that they were going to make it happen. You know, you have to give the comfort if you're a tenant to you know give the warm and fuzzies at every level to the landlord that it's like, hey, if I'm going to work with you, you're going to work with me, okay, and that we're going to share the pain. It's not going to be this proportionate sharing of the pain, you know, and the fact that they opened up, you know, they worked together and listen, they made that dream of leasing reality is what it came down to. It was wonderful. Yeah. I'm getting, awesome. getting goosebumps. Excellent. Getting all verklempt over here talking about it. Excellent. You know? Well, if we unpack that a little bit, you had a lease, there was a tenant in a space, they were going to sublease that. And so that was Makita. They were subleasing that to somebody else and they moved their location. Up that, was, that was something that happened a little while ago. They had subleased, but it's a story of just having good, good representation on your side, a great team, because they were able to parlay being bought out of a sublease to not even, not just a location downtown and a better location downtown, but ultimately because the brand was able to expand, they got traction. They were able to you know, you have know, satisfied the dream of also having a location uptown. And, and when they signed this lease, you know, just you know, on the cusp of COVID, you know, they, you know, they were in a bad position once COVID started because they saw there's not a shot in hell we're opening up during the free rent period, forgetting about even having the place built out. You know, well, they, they weren't even putting hammer to nail when the free rent period expired. Okay. And, you know, and the short version is because, you know, they were able to, you know, with the aid of their architect and expediters and the landlord working with them, they were able to, you know, make this deal happen. Okay. And and the broker doing a great job along the way, not disappearing. Not disappearing. Excellent. And being integral to, you know, to, to, to working out whatever needed to be worked out during the process. Fantastic. I want to move us to the final part of the show, Retail Wisdom. Are you ready? Retail Wisdom. Okay. All right. Question one, Larry. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Not Stephen Barry's. Other than the fact that I like the fact that their hats were very cheap and their their outerwear was very cheap. I would like to say Crazy Eddie because of the commercial. I don't know if you remember Crazy. I do. You know, what? who was the, um, what's the story, Jerry? Just any of those entities. You know what? I got to tell you something. You have me somewhat stumped there. Um, Can't be stumped. All right, we'll come back to it. The question two, what is the last item you purchased over $20 in a store? You know, it's so funny because, and obviously not talking about a grocery store. It would have to be a Target just because, you know, Target is for everybody. What'd you buy? Uh, We were in in the, um, you know, I bought a DVD uh, for one of my, my fourth son, my fourth son has autism does for that world does well, but, uh, what he knows about the movie industry is, is crazy. But, uh, but yeah, we bought a, a DVD from, he still likes the hard, hard copy as well as yeah, streaming it online. Incredible. Last question. And we'll come back to the first one. If you and I were shopping at target and I lost you, 
what aisle would I find you in? Well, I already gave it. <laughs> I already gave it away. You know, with uh, that, you would either find me in one of two aisles. Either you know, in the in the frame section. Frames. Because, yes, because this Target always had great pre-made frames that. Uh, I used to not have a memorabilia company, but someone, you know, a lot of people thought we did. We used to, we, we had amassed a collection of, of sports memorabilia and spent well over a decade donating it to, to, to children's charities. And we used to buy our frames there. Okay. That, that, at the Target and Michaels. The other is they do have a, a, although small, they do have a Lego section. Okay. And, uh, so. Being that we both like to build things, my uh, my fourth son uh, has. We basically have a museum in our basement of Legos, so you would find me there. That is great. A museum of Legos. I'd love to see it. That's great. You got to take a video. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. If you ever driving out east, it's worth stopping by for a cocktail. Okay, <laughs> you know, we'll do when when that time comes. Okay. For sure. Back to the first question. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? You know what? Crazy as this may sound, the Wiz. The Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. I love the Wiz. You, you know what? Just just because, you know, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a music guy. I basically, you know, I, I went easy today using, you know, references to music, but uh, it's how I teach using, you know, rock and roll, hip hop, pop culture, you know, sports analogies, but just being able to look at a DVD, to look at the artwork on a album cover, you know, a broken record, so to speak, a record, you know, is, you know, that that was you know, that was part of the art. OK, it was part of the experience, so to speak. You know, I miss anything that has to do anything with with an experience. OK, right now. So if it's you know, if it's I, I had to actually you know think on my feet there, but, you know, I have an expression. It's all about the Jimmy, as in J I M I Jimmy Hendrix. Remember the name of his band? Jimmy Hendrix and the Experience. Yep. And it's something that we're all missing, unfortunately. You know, so you know, go, go into the Wiz, go into any of those record shops, go into some of the places in the village, in the city, like, you know, Week of Bobs, I think it was called, or JR Records. Okay. Those places were great. Love it. Well, listen, Larry, this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.